In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one man and one woman will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine... Well, very little, actually. Eric Johnson and Emily Jones star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the other has never even seen. I'm Eric Johnson. And I'm Emily Jones. If this is your first time listening, you can find more Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob at gvnpodcast.com. And you can also find all of our past episodes on iTunes. Today, we're talking about the 2014 science fiction film Edge of Tomorrow. It's also known as Live, Die, Repeat, and it's based on a Japanese novel called All You Need Is Kill. So many names. I, I love the title All You Need Is Kill. I, that's, I, I, that's I learned that while writing great. this intro, and that's it's, kind of amazing. It's kind of great, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tom Cruise stars as William Cage, a public affairs officer who gets dragged into a D-Day style attack on mysterious aliens known as Mimics. Eric says that it's an underrated sci-fi gem, but I have never seen it, which is both of those things are true. Also, I talked to someone else today who told me that they like heard great stuff about this movie and it's like supposed to be fantastic. So Yeah, I think a lot of people heard good stuff about it and then didn't go to see it. Yeah, no one went and saw it. <laughs> I, well, so I was looking it up when I was writing this intro. It didn't do terribly. Like it cost, uh, I think, $170 million to make and it ultimately with global box office made more than $300 million. So, you know, but including marketing costs and all that, that's probably, like, break-even for, for a film. Cause this is and a... most people, like, probably don't remember it. I mean, as as discussed last episode, uh, when asked at a recent round of pub trivia to name, like, Tom Cruise's five most recent movies or whatever, none of us could remember the name of this movie. So Maybe because it has, like, two or three titles. But in any case, whatever you call it, <laughs> we're going to go watch it. Hey guys, Emily and I are off watching Edge of Tomorrow, a.k.a. Live, Die, Repeat. Or whatever it is that you want to call this movie of many names. All you need is kill. I love that so much. I know, they probably should have called it that. Like, that was a really catchy name. Yeah, the people would remember that. Anyway, what, whatever, in the past. Um, we're watching this movie, and after we get back from the break, we are going to spoil the shit out of it. Everything that happens. I don't even know what those things are, but we're going to talk about them. Yes, so you have been warned, spoilers, after we end talking at this moment. And if you want to go see the movie, if you are not like me and you don't own it on Blu-ray, which is 99.99999% of the population. Yeah, no, that's pretty much the normal standard position is to not own this movie on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but if you, so assuming you don't have it, you can rent it from Amazon, Vudu, or Google for three bucks. Uh, if you feel like paying an extra dollar, you can rent it from iTunes for four dollars, and you can buy it from all those places for ten dollars. So uh, whatever you want to do, that's how to find it online uh, legally how anyway. Yes, so go do that, go watch the movie, and then come back after the break, and we're going to talk about spoilers. just finished watching edge of tomorrow or live die repeat depending all on you need is kill <laughs> whatever a movie of too many names uh and many 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 days but before we get to what i thought of this movie um eric why did we watch it um i feel like 
an action sci-fi movie that's mixed with Groundhog Day could have been done so badly. Like, it's a good it idea. Could have. <laughs> it, it Like, there were so many ways for this movie to go wrong. And I feel like, the, in my opinion anyway, I feel like the fact that um, this movie is so willing to subvert our expectations, to play against type with Tom Cruise, to really... Um, just well, kind of like, like for part of it. Yeah, uh, only for part of it. Um, but this this movie, it it feels like an adventure. It feels, and it's it's not part of an existing, you know, series or anything, so it feels totally unpredictable. So I just love, even in rewatching the movie, even knowing how it's going to end, like, I just love the, the way this movie is paced and the way that everything is sort of uh, doled out, the way the way we experience it. It's, it's something that I just really enjoy the experience of watching this movie, which is not something I can say, even for other movies that I legitimately enjoy, you know, that there's there's plenty of movies for which that, that's that's not, it's not really the experience. It's more about like, oh, that this funny lines, that funny writing or that one well, great actor. For instance, you know? for instance, our previous, our, just our last episode, as much as I enjoy the movie Train Spotting, <laughs> there's enough of it that I don't enjoy watching because there's so much death and overdose and, non- and stuff that I can't say I enjoy 100% of the experience of watching it, I have to admit. Did, did I like pull away for did I take away from your enjoyment of that film by complaining no, about it? No, 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 you didn't. I mean, as I said, as I said in that, like when we talked about it, you know, I felt the same way. I felt in some of the same ways after the first time I, I saw it. And okay. I mean, no, but and that's not the only example. That's just the first one that springs to mind. But I know exactly what you mean. There are some movies that you love and you rewatch a bunch of times, but you don't necessarily like enjoy the the actively enjoy the experience of watching it so much as right. particular things that you love about it. I have tons of movies that are like that. Okay. I mean, so that's, that's kind of my one thing to kick us off. Uh, <laughs> so let's back to, back to this movie. What did you think of Edge right. of Tomorrow? No, I think what you just said is absolutely true. I mean, this, one of the things that I wrote down in my notes while I was watching it um, and something I, I was definitely feeling throughout the movie was like, it kept surprising me, which is hard to do. I mean, you know, there are a lot of movies out there. It's hard to do anything original. And certainly there's plenty in this movie that's not original. I mean, for instance, Groundhog Day and the underappreciated Christmas classic Christmas Every Day both do this concept of repeating the day. I've never heard of Christmas Every Day. Oh, my God. It's so good. Okay. But both do this concept of repeating repeating the same day over and over again and doing different things with it and trying to get to the – the good outcome and get out of the loop and all this kind of stuff. Like, but could you get, have a more different, no, I know it's very concept. Exactly. Exactly. And again, like, you know, beyond that, I mean, there's plenty of action movies. There's plenty of war movies that, you know, there's so many things that have been done before about what's being done in this movie. And yet somehow this movie kept surprising me. Like I, like it kept doing things that I didn't expect it to do. And like, stuff kept happening that I wasn't expecting to have happen. And like, I could not have like predicted a hundred percent. I mean, there were moments certainly that I could have predicted that I could say sure. like, Oh, well that's going to happen. But I mean, that's every movie. Like I've seen a movie before. And but... that's so, and can I just say, so you knew going into this, that there was going to be a groundhog day element, right? Like, you yeah, no, knew that from... was in the trailer. I mean, I knew that years ago, whenever, whenever it was that this came out, I knew that. When I saw this movie in theaters, I did not know that. I had not seen any trailers. I went in. Why did you that... go see it in theaters? 
because I wanted to go see a movie. My friend and I wanted to go see a movie, and we were just like, oh, it's a new Tom Cruise movie that got uh, good reviews. That's see, literally I all did I knew that, about it. I did that with the Pierce Brosnan action film November Man, and it was terrible. <laughs> I remember talking about Damn that with, with you. Like, I think we were taping podcasts right around when you went to go see that movie. Yeah. I know, and I was probably talking, comparing it to some like much better action movie because it was just like, you know, competent. Yeah. But no, yeah, I um this as as I said, this movie definitely kept surprising me, which is hard to do, I think, especially with an action movie, especially with a Tom Cruise movie. I definitely appreciated um just a lot of things about this movie. I mean, uh, you know, I, I appreciated that uh Tom Cruise's character in the beginning was really different and a departure for him, relatively speaking. I mean, He's a coward. Uh, right. And by, I mean, by the end, he got not even by the end. Like, it didn't take him that long to turn into into a cocky badass. But... Well, not that long in our time. In his time, it <laughs> well, took yes. him no, a exactly. long time. Exactly. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I was definitely one of the things I was most appreciating about the beginning of the movie was that, like, yeah, I mean, he was he was a coward and a just sniveling, annoying, shitty person. You know, and he's usually like he's usually cock of the walk, whether he's, you know, bucking his superiors in Top Gun or just kicking everyone's ass in Mission Impossible. Like he's usually on top. And he was And the thing here is we have just sort of the Jerry Maguire s sort of like working people aspect like he, he can still kind of have the character who is good at working people like getting people to do what he wants. Oh, yeah. But here he fails like the first thing he tries to do is to get out of you know get get right he doesn't he doesn't manage to work people until he already knows how they're going to respond because he's had the conversation with them six times right general i just inspired millions of people to join your army and when the body bags come home and they're looking for someone to blame how hard do you think it would be for me to convince people to blame you are you blackmailing me, Major? I would prefer not to be filming acts of heroism and valor on that beach tomorrow. No, so that was that was good. Although I will also say that was possibly the only thing I liked about the beginning of the movie. I'm okay. gonna say that I'm gonna say that um, eighty to ninety percent of my comments, particularly negative comments. Are from before, are from the his first go round. So the first like 20, 25 minutes. Then. Yeah, like before he wakes up and starts redoing things, and then all of a sudden everything gets really disorienting, and and it's like him trying to figure it all out and all that. But like, there's so much of the beginning of the movie that I'm just like, wow. I'm just like, why? Like, there's like, all right, so... let's let's start. Hit me. <laughs> so so, um, I don't know. I was I was confused by. I'm not confused, but I don't know. I guess like Brendan Gleason's motivation for, for doing this to him. Like, was it really just that he like threatened to blackmail him? Like, or was there something I missed in the intro? Like, I think it was also just that Brendan Gleason recognized that he was a sniveling coward. That, yeah. that Brendan Gleason's clearly a guy who's done, who's served, you know, and spent a lot of time in this war and had to absorb a lot of the right. so, mental burden of it. And uh, Tom Cruise is not. Yeah, so like I guess I get that, but but my overarching thing with a lot of the be- of the first first time through all of this was kind of like I don't know, I was sort of incredulous about everyone's like 
not just willingness, but like active eagerness to have someone this shitty and inexperienced right on the front lines of an important battle and basically to fuck him. Oi, mate! I think there's something wrong with your suit. Yeah, there's a dead guy in it. <laughs> Hey, watch your back out there, sir. <laughs> no one else will. Like, like to me, to me, I was like, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to go into battle with this person, and yeah. and I, you know, the the people who I know who who are in the military would not want to go into battle with this person. Right. Like, I know that they actively would be like, no, I don't want that. I don't want to be responsible for that fucker's life. And I don't want to be responsible for his death. I don't want him here. You I think I we're mean? supposed to assume that Brennan Gleason has given some sort of special orders to the guy from Kentucky. Well, to the, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I. And that he then relays that down the line to the the guy with the with the the camo jacket whose name I'm forgetting. Yeah, know. but but I mean it's not just them. I mean it's also right. like the J J Company or Group J or whatever they J are. J Squad, yeah. J Squad, yeah. Like all of them who are like I mean they're all they're all privates. They're all on the ground soldiers who who have seen combat before. The idea that that they are, you know, willing not just willing but like actively involved in kind of fucking this guy over and they're by themselves. I mean, the idea that they won't tell him how to take his safety off. It's like, Oh, it's ha ha ha. It's a joke. It's like, no, like you're all going to like, this is all putting putting all of you in danger. Like, What's that noise? That Let's go. Listen, I've never been in one of these. Yeah. Well, I've never been with two girls at the same time before. But you can bet when that day comes, I'll make it work. <laughs> I don't know. I was, I was really incredulous about that stuff. It was kind of sure. like, I just, and again, I, I guess I see it from Brendan Gleeson's perspective, but I have a hard time believing like the rest of the squad, that attitude yeah. trickling down to the people who actually have to fight with this guy and okay. be responsible for him or potentially have him screw up and kill and inadvertently let them die or kill them. You know, like, right. I, I have a hard time believing that, like, the general's like anger and and desire to to screw this guy over translates all the way down to the troops who are potentially going to die with him well so the, i mean the troops were told the false story that he was a deserter and so Still you know though. and so it's just kind of the idea of like okay so if you're the soldier you've been ordered to have this guy in your company even though he's a deserter so it's i guess, I guess sort of like if you don't have a choice about whether or not he's going to be in your company then you know is it, is it that much more of a risk to uh to shit on him or or are you sort of just doing the bare minimum i guess of just letting him be there and not helping him i guess i guess that's that's how i read it is like they've been told that this guy is a low-life deserter and so you know and but he but he's been assigned to their group so they can't like kick him out like that's just not how yeah. the group dynamic works i don't know. know i don't know i get that but again and this was this was all like the first time around because obviously yeah. the movie got like way more engrossing and and more <laughs> like more and i was actively invested in it and and all of that afterward but that's it was the thing. just it in was the just theater, the, first, the first time through i was just kind of like I was kind of like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure yeah. I buy this. Like I In the theater, I felt the same way. When, when I was watching this the first time through the first 20 minutes, I was like, hey, this is okay. Like, it, I, didn't, I didn't think it was anything special. And because I did not know what was going to happen, when first Emily Blunt dies and, like, the first time we see her, I was like, okay, whoa. That, yeah, that was, how does that Emily was crazy. Blunt die without ever saying any words? 
and then Tom Cruise, like, his face melting off because he got blue acid all over his face. I was, like, in my chair, like, gripping the armrest. I, like, was like, what the fuck is this movie? And so I can't, you know, obviously, like, for marketing purposes, I get the fact that they had to give away, you know, for, for anyone except for me who did see the trailer, they had to give away, like, what the actual premise of the movie is. But that feeling sitting in the theater of, like, what the hell just happened was, like, I would not trade that for anything, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I can only imagine, and I bet that that was great. But no, yeah. and again, as soon as, as soon as he woke up and we started having to sort of piece together the mystery and, like, uh, sort of go through it all, and especially once... Um, once she got involved and once it was clear that she knew about the repeating thing, because again, Rita, like yeah. the first, the first couple times through, and I was glad they did it in montage and didn't make us relive the whole day. Yeah. Um, I was like, okay, I've definitely watched, watched this movie where the first time they freak out and try to convince people that something crazy is going on. And then they start gaming and it's like, Oh, the, 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 but no, then, we... the, but then it turned out that a lot more was going on. And like, I, yeah, I liked it. I think the the him waking up from dying for the first time is like 25 minutes and his next death is like 28 minutes. Like it really speeds through the the set up to the second death, you know. It doesn't as it doesn't dilly-dally. Right. And I yeah, and that 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 to me was good and they kept going through it over and over again and you never know how many times he has lived it. Like that that was really cool to me. I also liked um that uh that and I don't know. I mean, I think there are probably other other movies and other things that do this, but it felt a little rare to me that, um, you know, she was the one who was like the hardened battle tested soldier. And yeah. he was, he was the wide eyed naive idiot. Mm -hmm. Like that's nice. Cause I feel like gender wise, that's, that's often swapped. Flip, flip the roles. I mean, it's good, good, good to have balance in there, or at least attempt to do it with one movie out of hundreds. But, you, know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Every movie is a step in the right direction. Yeah. What um, did you think just overall of the relationship between cage and Rita? Um, well, two of my near final notes in this were, don't you dare get romantic, and then moments later, <laughs> damn it! I really wish they did not kiss. That's, like, one of the few things mm, I really don't like about this I know, movie. I know, I don't like it at all, and, ah, uh, yeah. It also undercuts, I feel like, the very last shot of the movie, where you don't know what he's going to say to her next. I feel like the fact that she's kissed him... Like but she doesn't of, presumably she doesn't remember it. I mean, I feel like I don't 100 percent understand what happens, but it seems like we're back. No, at, she, she has no idea who he is. Right. She's never we're back. At, we're back at another reboot of him being the only one who knows what happened. Right. But this is this is him knowing that he can win her over and get her get like make like, the, that's like this, this. But how on earth him. is he going to win her over when the war is over? Good point. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that that was kind of it. But no, like I really. ugh. I wish I wish that that didn't happen, but also I am glad that, uh, given that, like, given that they went there where I didn't want them to go, I am glad that they ended with, like, a final reset. Yeah. Because, like, it just would have been, like, the worst and corniest and most predictable thing to finally, on this last day, she finally comes around and, like, kisses him. And then somehow, miraculously, they both survive and they get to walk off into the sunset. Yep. Like, no, I'm so glad it didn't end that way. And you also get to reset the deaths of all the people who helped them. Well, and that. so you kind of get, you know. Although I will say, I will say, as far as all the people that helped him, help them, like, that is one of my other kind of criticisms mm -hmm. is like they were definitely the only two characters that were even people and that I remotely cared about Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. 
Fair. I mean, like the others, the others were there, but they were definitely like cannon fodder. Yeah, they were sort of barely their caricatures. And yeah. so, yeah, I, and that didn't really bother me, and it bothered me a little bit, but then we got very intensely into figuring out the mystery, and so I didn't care that much. But then when we circled back around to, like, the final mission, and, like, a couple of them were, like, apparently sacrificing themselves and, like, all this kind of stuff. Hey, come on, man, we gotta go! Don't wait for us! Skinner! Griff, come on! We're good to go. Where are they? We're Skinner and Griff! They're not coming. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't really developed up to that point to really make the sacrifices feel right. They didn't feel. They didn't feel like earned special. sacrifices. I was just yeah. kind of like, oh, I don't care. Like I've seen those people die so many times, and exactly, like yeah. none of them are people. I don't really care. Yeah, I mean, I, I really think it's it's so interesting what this movie does with this, um, the idea of seeing someone else die over and over again. Like there's a point where um, Emily Blunt asked Tom Cruise, like, oh, is there something on my face? And he's just kind of staring at her because he has just, like, it's been a, we've seen a montage of her dying a bunch. And then you can, that's sort of foreshadowing the fact that we find out later on. She did the same thing with somebody else, yeah. Right, and so and so knowing that, like, rewatching now, you can basically, like, you can read her reading him and be like, she knows that he has seen her die so many times. Like that, that's what she's picking up from that. Like she, she, she knows exactly what that look means, you know? Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, if, if they had done that maybe a little bit more with the rest of J squad or with uh, the other characters, like maybe, maybe that would have felt different. But then of course, if they had done that, it might've undercut sort of the, the power of the Tom Cruise, Emily Blunt. Thing, and the movie you know? would have been two and a half hours and it's already two hours. And <laughs> You start to push the boundaries a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, the other thing that that yeah. had me uh, um, throughout, and I'm still wondering. I'm not sure what the answer is, and I'm wondering if there even is an answer. And like, I don't know. I'm not gonna say that. Like, I don't know. I don't know that. Like, my feelings on the movie are hanging in the balance on this or anything that dramatic. But I'm also <laughs> kind of like, if there's nothing there, I'm gonna be annoyed about it. So, and I haven't figured it out because I just watched it just the first time just moments ago. So okay, but maybe I can help. I'm 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 curious to know what, if any, like statement exactly it's trying to make because I feel like so we're really clearly, strongly, and repeatedly referencing two of the most famous battles in the history of modern warfare. Right. Verdun and D-Day. Right. So I'm just kind of wondering, like, where are we going with this? Like, what? I mean, are we just saying that? I, oh, like, <sighs> I think those were just, like, easy short, right, shortcuts, Right, and see, that, to... that bothers me. Because it's like, I feel... And, I, and, I, and, you know, I'm wondering if it's there. Because, for instance, like, the... Um, like the speech that we hear Bill Paxton say over and over again. I mean, probably the the lines that we hear repeated in the movie more with the exception of of whatever the sergeant says to him right when he wakes up, uh, get up cockroach or whatever it is. Maggot. Maggot, sorry. On your feet, maggot! Aside from that, I feel like the thing we hear repeated more than anything else is the speech about about like being able to battle being like the great equalizer and you get to prove yourself the fiery crucible <laughs> right right the fiery crucible thing which is so charge of the lake brigade mm-hmm. you know such an old school early 20th century pre-world war one view of like the glory of battle rumor is a terrible thing i'm not for all these men will all reach the same conclusion that you're a coward and a lie putting your life above this the good news is there's hope for you private 
Hope in the form of glorious combat. Battle is the great redeemer, the fiery crucible in which the only true heroes are forged. The one place where all men truly share the same rank, regardless of what kind of parasitic scum they were going in. It's undercut by hearing it repeated so many times, but I also feel like that's exactly what's happening with Tom Cruise's character because he's becoming not an asshole by getting, like, mm-hmm. you know, repeatedly baptized in, in the crucible of fire or whatever. And we're also referencing like one of the most famous battles of World War One and one of the most famous battles of World War Two. And I'm wondering if there's a point there or if we're just making cheap references, because I'm really annoyed if we're just making cheap references. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of interpreted that as just sort of just for the audience shortcuts just to for them to kind of get like what sort of war this is, because like you think about modern warfare, you think about the way the wars are fought today. You know, they look so different from the first from the two world wars. And so the fact that this is a you know, massive deployment on the ground, I mean, the, the D-Day comparison is something that everyone kind of right. understands. And the, so the idea that this is a land war that's being fought by, in you Europe. know, in Europe by these infantrymen, you know, who a lot of whom are cannon fodder, who are just there on the front lines on a suicide mission, you know, the, literally their suits are suicide vests. You know, like, yeah, like there, there, there's some I think there's um, I, I don't I, I, I mean, I call it like sort of cheap, easy references. I mean, I do think there is some value in the fact that um, by by getting us to the short shorthand of like, here's what this war is. I think it, it immediately raises the stakes in a way that coming up with a totally new type of warfare or or making it more sci-fi yeah like um, we're clearly we're clearly rehashing like world wars like that's the kind of entrenched exactly. global battle this is yeah and i mean this it, it only just occurred to me but i guess there's like there's somewhat of a metaphor in the um the sort of the standoff that they end up in with the mimics um, mm-hmm. because of the repeated time thing, like that is kind of like entrenchment, I guess, which is the whole, yeah. that would be the Verdun reference. So, I, I mean, that literally just occurred to me. So like, I guess that kind of is what's maybe happening. Maybe. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I was just like, deeply, I don't know. But... I feel like, I feel like, what'd you say? I don't know if they thought about it that deeply, but it's well, possible. Well, yeah, I don't know. I just like, I feel like there's like, there's sort of so much going on with like potential statements about like warfare and the nature of war. Well, I mean, stuff I think something like... they were trying to say, something they were trying to say though is like the, the cage character that we meet at the start of this movie, as we've already discussed, this is not a typical Tom Cruise character. This is not a typical action movie star in beginning. general at the beginning. And um, I think the movie is trying to say something about, bravery like i mean the fact that the coward becomes the hero i mean i think this is something that a lot of other movies and tv shows have said this is not an original thought but it's like you know real heroism isn't just being just acting you know without fear it's being afraid and then acting anyway and that's like something that tom cruise has to go through hundreds and hundreds of times this movie he has to act in spite of fear and i absolutely adore one of my favorite moments in this film is um, in other action films, the main character waking up in a hospital bed with a little beep, beep of the heart monitor would be like, oh, okay, everything's okay. And in this, that is terrifying. That is right. the worst case scenario <laughs> yeah. is, oh my God, I'm in a hospital and I'm alive. I love that. And I love the fact that he has to then power through and, and just like, well, you know, we got one shot at this. We got to go anyway, you know? 
Yeah. No, no, I agree. That's that is a very cool a cool subversion. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, no, but I, no think, I, th- I mean the- I think you're right about the bravery thing. And actually what you just said is another thing that that uh somebody says in the movie about like you can't have courage without fear. I think maybe Bill Paxton also says that. You Maybe can't... part of his speech. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's part of it. It's it, like when the first time they get on the like transport thing, it's, he says something about like, you can't have courage without fear. I know the pressure on you is enormous. Two minutes to drop. Don't have to be scared. Remember, there's no courage without fear. But I don't know. Again, I guess. And again, I think what's happening is that I'm is that I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to get too much. I'm trying to I'm trying to read too much into it. I'm trying to get too much out of it. <laughs> And it's like on the one hand, I think you're totally right, and like it's a great story about like the development of his character and everything. On the other hand, I don't know. I'm 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 bothered by the fact that we're heavily referencing World War One, and yet the ultimate like character arc that the hero goes on is that is that sort of arc of arc of of military glory leading to personal betterment thing that that you know became so problematic in part because of some of the ways that warfare changed in world war one i don't think I'm this getting, movie is really trying to critique I know it's not. The, the you know effects I am. of I yeah, am warfare, in my own you know. in my own head. That's. What I think this like. movie is assuming that you know you you believe that if the enemy is great enough that the style of, of war is is justified and that this, no and it's that not this it's not the to... it's not I'm trying to say that like war is not justified or whatever. I guess I'm I'm bothered by the by the reinforcement of a narrative of heroism that that sure. prob that World War One helped problematize while we're also like relying heavily on World War One. Uh, imagery and references and stuff. But again, I think what's happening is I'm looking for way too much depth in this movie. So, I mean, um, there are aliens in this movie uh, that blow up into blue <laughs> acid. <laughs> and, um, but I mean, as we've seen in Doctor Who, sometimes wacky alien stories can get, you know... Really yeah, no, totally, totally. No, I'm, I'm Which reminds me, here's a question that, yeah. that I'm wondering about. Um, has Doctor Who ever done a Groundhog Day narrative? I don't think they have. Which is oh wait, no, weird, no, right? that, that's not true. No, they they have the the most recent season. They they did one with Peter Capaldi. Where we're, we're the one that's a two parter where oh, he's oh 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 my god, you're totally right, and it's like a they, really, they just really, did it. It's yeah. really really good too. Okay, yeah. never mind. Yes, yeah. they did, and they did a really really good job with they it. They did a good job with it. Oh god, that's um, so good. The Doctor grieving via Groundhog Day. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Um. But anyway, um, let's see. I'm just looking at my other notes. But if you have other stuff, the oh, I mean in. the the strong Harry Potter, the Harry Potter thread keeps going through. What's the Harry Potter thread here? Brendan Gleeson, man. Oh Mad right, Moody. okay, Mad Eye Moody. Okay, yeah, I knew that. I, I knew would that. hope you know that one. Yeah, of course. Uh, and in the last podcast, for anyone who didn't catch it, uh, Emily was incensed that I did not recognize extremely minor Harry Potter hey, characters. Hey, Moaning Myrtle. Moaning Myrtle is not a minor character. I mean, she's borderline. <laughs> she she she's important to the plot, but she's barely in the movies. Like she she's in the second like, one. She's in the second one plenty. I mean, anyway, agree to disagree. <laughs> um, oh, okay. 
I love the fact that we have a training montage at the point where any other movie would have a training montage and the character would get better over time. And it's just a montage of Tom Cruise dying over and over again. That he does not <laughs> get a single bit better by the end of the montage. That I mean, we already <laughs> talked about the fact that this movie likes to surprise you, but goddamn, is that smart. <laughs> yes. Although I also find it hilarious that at one point Tom Cruise angstily rides away from the military base on a motorcycle. Yeah. Because like, we all cool. know that Tom Cruise has angstily ridden away from a military base on a motorcycle before. Yeah, well, what does that remind me of? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, let's see here. Oh, okay, another thing that I wrote down, this is something that uh, I was wondering if, if you had any thoughts on, is um, this is like the... So, there has never been a good movie adaptation of a video game, and I feel like this is oh, the best movie of... adaptation of like the of basically the, the style of a video game. I wrote that down too. Like I feel like this is like a really solid follow up to my frustration about repeat trying over trying and failing over and over again at the same task. In Portal, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and having to go through like so much bullshit beforehand to get to the task that I well, keep failing at. Well, the thing is, like, is a game where you do not die very often. Is that, I mean, yeah, you can fall into the acid or whatever, but like compare that to like a, a shooter video game, like like let's say a World War II video game where you're storming the beaches of Normandy. Um, you can get shot or blown up or whatever a thousand different ways, oh and then God, you just start all over and just. And, and, and the sort of and the thing with video games is like and that's something that a lot of movie adaptations have struggled with is like, well, you know, if there's if if we're trying to make this semi realistic, then the main character can't die or whatever, or or in a lot of video games, you can get like grievously wounded and then just crouch behind cover for a few seconds and then oh all oh, your health is back. You know, there's no way to really that do that so convincingly. Great if you could recover from a grievous wound. Like, just by like holding just still by, like, for a few just seconds. By, just by like holding on to the wound and panting for a little bit. That's pretty much what happens in a lot that of video games. That would be so great. There, there's a series of games called Uncharted, which is basically uh, what if Indiana Jones were just like a serial murderer? Like he, he this is like Indiana. Wait, that it's sounds basically, amazing. Why isn't that a movie? I mean, they've tried to make it into a movie. And I don't think they've ever gotten any very far with it. But basically it's like. Did they try to cast Harrison Ford? Because I feel like casting Harrison Ford would have worked. I think, yeah, I don't think Harrison Ford would, would do it at this point, especially since he's making Indiana Jones 5 with Spielberg. But um, I think the person who should be in the Uncharted movie, if they ever make it, is the uh, is the guy from um, Agent Carter who has the the, the leg, who, who had the leg injury from the <gasps> oh, war. He yeah. looks a lot like the, the uh, Nathan I Drake like from him. Uncharted. I like him, Yeah, uh, he'll like show up him. in another thing that's on our list. But in any case, um, that, that actor will show up. Um but, but yeah, with, with a lot of video games, it's kind of like the whole thing of like, well, you want to make it easy enough for the player to just like start over and like get better at it. And that was something that was really sinking in for me on the second viewing is that because of the way the reset works. Second viewing? You've only seen this once? <laughs> yeah, I loved it that much the first time. <laughs> wow, um, okay. Uh, because of the way the reset works, it's impossible for Tom Cruise to get physically stronger in this. It is his body resets to exactly where it was and what That's it was. True. He has to get mentally stronger. That's the only thing he can do is just get smarter and remember more, remember better. 
And that is something which is just like, that is video games to a T. You are not doing anything physical. You are sitting there with your little controller <laughs> and you're just like, you know, pressing the buttons. But if you can remember to press the right buttons in the right order and do it and, and execute creative ways, then not only can you solve the challenges that have stopped you before, but you can learn how to solve problems that you've never faced before. So that by the end of this movie, when he has no more lives left, he has no resets left, he's still able to improvise and say, let's push this rocket helicopter whatever thing through the wall he's able to, he's managed to learn from his many 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 trials how to solve a problem so what you're saying is we basically just watch tom cruise play a video game for two hours that's exactly what i'm saying yes mm. <laughs> i'm not sure how i feel about that um but i feel like this is like the, the closest we can get at least out of anything i've seen to to a, a good video game movie even though it is not based in a video game and i don't think they made it into a video game but you mean like a you mean like experientially a video game movie as this opposed feels to the most the experience like a of a video game as opposed to being based on like a video game narrative which usually they have to abandon the actual exactly. video gaminess to do and this one written hmm. into the plot is a very well written uh mechanism the reset mechanism for for, for the character so huh. um that's a good point in any case um but yeah i think that that's all that i have i mean i have a couple like minor things but i think they're mostly just like first time through watching kind of stuff like i'm like, like i'm what? still i don't know like i'm really not clear at all on like the technology of the little like thing that drops them out of the plane um and you mean like the thing that we see uh, starting the first time where like the floor opens up and they they drop on the, the wires yeah and that doesn't matter. I mean, I feel like that's something that I'll just I would understand if I watched it again. But it's just I'm still I was yeah. kind of like what what oh okay. I, I think I think so that they're in, they're in harnesses and then the floor drops out and the harnesses uh, then are just like attached to what it's basically. But like, they're still like somehow tethered to the plane. Right. I think because yeah, like it's an issue because the last time it's an issue because he's like not strapped in and she's like don't do it and he does it anyway and that was the point where i was like i still don't understand what's happening here yeah like i, I don't really I, get why it's a problem that he's not as i think in about it I, yeah. I can't really explain it but okay whatever <laughs> <laughs> no but um, i mean that's that's just like a little minor like little tech thing yeah oh i, I know what i wanted to ask uh did you think when tom cruise got stabbed that he was actually going to stay dead like when he's underwater, he's he's blown up the thing, and but but before he blows it up, he gets stabbed through through the the the, the heart or whatever. I wondered. I mean, I you know, obviously as a person who's seen many movies in my life, I doubt Tom Cruise's ability to ever actually die in a movie. <laughs> um, like I'm not sure that that's a thing that he's capable of, like contractually. <laughs> um, but. But no, I did. I I did wonder. Like, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't assume that he was going to survive. I didn't assume he was going to reboot. Um, when the stuff was like creeping over his face or whatever was happening, I sort of thought like, was there like an explosion that was going to come up and like jet him out, and he was going to like survive in some more traditional manner? Like, I didn't Which know. I think what... it's what happens in Pacific Rim. I think I think that's the, he gets he gets jettisoned oh, out of the water. By that an was my other. That was my other comment that I was going to make. There's a lot um, of Pacific Rim overlap here, yeah. There is Pacific Rim overlap. Although, to me, the most interesting is... I, I find it interesting that... that m Movies like this or, or, or subject matter like this um, often involves, like, like, this kind of international coalition behavior. 
mm-hmm. like abandonment of of national sovereignty and and separate national militaries. In they, they mentioned like Russian and Chinese troops working with the European forces, which is working with the U.S. military, which right. is still somehow separate, but the connected. Right. Because- connected enough that like Tom Cruise can be ordered to go work. For it. Yeah. Like um, it's all very interconnected, like much more and less less segmented, I think, than than our current you know global system is. And the same was true in Pacific Rim. Yep. Like they were basically it was basically like an international coalition fighting those things. And I don't know. I find that really interesting. And like, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of, I don't really have anything to say about it. I'm just kind of like curious about it and, and interested in it. And like, I wonder, I wonder where it comes from. Like, is it, 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 it almost feels like a, like an interesting sort of optimism that like, yeah, that action movies seem to have that like, despite, despite all of our geopolitical, global, crazy differences and wars and whatever that like, when Somehow the threat the, is big enough, when, right. when, the, when the danger is, is, is that big, that right. you, we in the will face, come together. In the face of a big enough threat, you know, an alien invasion or a, a, a kaiju invasion or whatever that, like, somehow globally we'll all come together like i don't know it's 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 a really interesting optimism to me and a very but it's also like it always seems to express itself in this like vaguely dystopian militaristic way and it's just i don't know it's really just kind of curious to me so so real quick spoilers for watchmen if you have missed our if you missed our watchmen episodes jump ahead by like a minute or two um but end of watchmen um that's kind of the whole thing is like with with the the alien coming down (laughs) and the the destruction in new york it unites the world and that's sort of osmandius's plan and uh, obviously it's a little bit ambiguous as to whether or not they'll last forever and his it's also like really genocidal the way he carries it out yeah i totally forgot about that but the idea is it's such a grave otherworldly threat that people are willing to put aside that that the u.s and russia are willing to just or the soviet union are willing to stand down for the sake of the 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 greater good you know so yeah and i mean it 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 kind of has to be that kind of otherworldly threat because we've already seen like Humanity that oh god this is going to be a really dark statement but like humanity can do some of the worst things that humanity is you wouldn't think humanity was remotely capable of but it apparently is and the world can really solidly not band together and do anything about it like that has definitely happened repeatedly yep so yeah on that note yay um but no that's on the one hand, an interesting sort of optimism, and on the other hand, like, I don't know. It's it's also, it's also kind of a weird pessimism because it kind of it kind of has inherent in it this idea that like, like, we need thre- that the threat of alien invasion is so extreme that it would that it would produce this coalition really implies that like literally nothing else is that extreme. Like, like there's nothing else that would, that would make the world kind of band together. I like how I took what you were saying about how, oh, this is an optimistic message. And I, I turned it into a really cynical dark thing. Well, you didn't, (laughs) I mean, you didn't though. You start, you brought up, you brought up a cynical means of carrying it out, but like, I don't know. Like, I, I do feel like that's, it's like two sides of the same coin. Like on the one hand, it's optimistic, like humanity would band together. And on the other hand, it's like, oh my God, all the things humanity hasn't banded together for, it literally would take like a, like a existential threat to humanity from specifically from an alien invasion, not from any of the other potential existential threats to humanity, like, you know, yeah, other stuff, other stuff that's happened. Yeah. In history. And yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. 
Um, so, Tom Cruise, less pretty than he used to be. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's 20 years older than Emily Blunt. I looked it up. Um, Ugh, that's always the way. Yeah, Hollywood. Seriously, I just read an interview with Scarlett Johansson that talks about uh, how People she's calling her too old. She's no, but that wasn't specifically what it talked about. It talked, but yes, that too. But no, like she's never had a a like a love interest on screen of her own age. Really? I mean, I'm not gonna say never because I haven't actually looked it up. But I would believe it though. <laughs> but well, I think. Um, I mean. I feel like maybe Chris Evans is maybe her age, and he was, I think, her love interest in The Perfect Score, but he might not have been. They might just be notably in that movie together. Mm. I haven't actually seen it. But no, like, it specifically referenced how, like, Mark Ruffalo is 17 years older than her. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's like that for, like, many to most of, like, Hollywood's notable actresses. Jennifer Lawrence, like, look at her love interest or, like, Bradley Cooper over and over again. Yeah, and he's he's like what, like ten years older than her, probably, or fifteen. Fifteen, yeah. She's she's like younger than us. Yeah, I know. And not by much, but she she's like twenty four. She, she's still younger. Yeah, she's like <laughs> she's like twenty four or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, I Bradley Bradley Cooper is, I don't think he's forty, but getting there. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, what well, did you see? Hell, did you see Hell Caesar? Yes. So Scarlett Johansson winds up with Jonah Hill, so that's closer, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well. But anyway, the point is, yes, that's a persistent problem of the love yes. interest who's 20 years younger, and we're just supposed to accept it as, like, a thing. Sorry. I'm making a really <laughs> sour face at the patriarchy right now. <laughs> Which our listeners can't see, but Eric can. You can hear it, though. You can totally hear oh, it. Oh, of course you can hear it. I have, I have a strong anti-patriarchy tone of voice. See Sabriel, yes. Um, <laughs> I guess we we only no, were able to publish one of those episodes. The, yeah, so, no, yeah. I published I published like an essay about the patriarchy because we had we I lost the audio of my rant against the patriarchy, which everyone who knows me is really disappointed about because they've literally never heard me rant about that before. <laughs> well, uh, Emily, once you're done making a sour face, uh, what are we going to be talking about next week? We're going to be talking about a movie that, I mean, it has some patriarchal problems, but part of that's because it's really old. Uh, <laughs> we're going to watch the, we're going to dive back into film noir and watch The Big Sleep. Oh, yay. I've been looking forward to this. I know this. this is like <laughs> semi at your request. Yeah, kind of. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've never seen it or read it or really know very much about it. So, Which yeah. Which is so upsetting. <laughs> it's so We bad. will fix this. We will fix this. We will. Next Until episode, then. in fact next episode until then emily where else can we find you on the internet i am on twitter at ej reports and i'm on twitter at hey hey esj this is giant geek versus mega noob signing off or waking up to record this podcast all over again on your feet maggots in a world with too much pop culture to consume one man and one woman will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference. And the winner will be This has been Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. For more, visit GVNPodcast.com.